0: We're talking about a couple of issues important to livestock producers this morning. Number one, the plan to allow imports of beef from Paraguay. And number two, we'll find out if Prop 12 is having an effect on the cash hog market in the middle of the country. And for both these issues, there is potential legislation that lawmakers might push forward to override plans.
1: Live from January's exposed midriff via Farm Journal Broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, we begin with a conversation with Frank Lucas, U.S. Representative from Oklahoma. Then it's hog producer Phil Borgic from Illinois. Directly following the news, Greg Henderson from Drovers. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. Now, welcome the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Laurie. All right, Davis. Hey, buddy. Thank you so much. The weather's
0: coming back in.
1: Sure seems like it, doesn't it?
0: Yes, it does. Have you got snow in the forecast
1: down there in the tropics? Uh, you know, I'm not sure if we do or not. We've got some sort of precipitation. I don't know if I quite know yet what to call it, Uh, but we're 28 degrees and sunny. 28 and sunny. We are Mm -hmm. six. Okay.
0: Six and overcast with snow on the way this afternoon. Another one to three inches. One to three? Yeah. Well, who ordered that? I I didn't. Was not me?
2: Hmm. I don't All think right. it was anybody
0: that's had to go out and move snow over the last <laughs> 10 days or so. Yeah. I think yeah. they're kind of looking for a break. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Welcome well, to Agritalk. I am yeah. Chip. That is Davis. And, uh, yeah, livestock producers, take note. We've got a couple of issues that we are going to be talking about today. Uh, Representative Frank Lucas, former chairman of the House Ag Committee, current member of the House Ag Committee, is going to... Give us his thoughts on the the idea of importing fresh chilled beef from Paraguay and what kind of risks that opens up for the U.S. cattle industry. And it's not just the cattle industry. It, it he explains very very well in this conversation um, just how deep the risk runs hmm. uh, to to agriculture and and those who are serving the farm community out there and then uh, prop 12 it, it it's fully implemented now davis and and you and i have been kind of scratching around this issue of what exact impact is it having on hog producers and uh, we're going to talk with a hog producer from raymond illinois phil Borgic, uh get his take on what is going on out there all right let's uh get to the news what do you got
1: well, Tip, the National Weather Service uh, expects heavy mountain snows for the Northwest and the Rockies, additional ice over the Columbia Basin. Bands of heavy lake effect snow continue for the Great Lakes with hazardous snow across the Midwest and Mid-Atlantic yep. by Friday. Another Arctic blast expected late this week. Chip, cold, uh, l- cold, late this cold. week is coming up fast, bro. It's yeah, cold
0: temperatures are just a couple of <laughs> days away again, not like it's... Not like it's balmy out there, but boy, you look at that extended forecast, we've got some warmer temperatures coming in.
1: We'll get there, yep. Well, Representative G.T. Thompson of Pennsylvania reportedly wants to fast-track the farm bill for 2024 passage. In an interview with Bloomberg, the House Ag Chairman revealed he intends to advance the farm bill through his Ag Committee before March. He mentioned that in about three weeks, they will begin with a chairman's mark to unveil the bill with the goal of completing committee action by March The timeline depends on securing floor time from House Speaker Mike Johnson, suggesting the bill's progress will be contingent on House leadership's support and scheduling, Chip.
0: If everything goes as planned, we will have a conversation with Representative Thompson for you tomorrow morning during the free-for-all here on Agritalk.
1: Well, the Senate will begin voting on a continuing resolution to fund the federal government through early March at uh, 1230 Eastern Time this morning. There will be several votes including amendments that will be rejected the short-term spending measure is expected to clear the senate and will then be sent to the house where it faces gop conservative opposition but widespread support among democrats opec says it expects global oil demand to remain robust in 2024 and 2025 due to a strong global growth forecast and slowing inflation Oil prices ticked up on that news. Now, Chip, in contrast with OPEC's forecast, the International Energy Agency, the IEA, said that growth in oil demand will cut in half in 2024 because of China's slow economic recovery and greater take up of electric vehicles. We're getting two different messages here, buddy.
0: Two very different messages. And to imagine that oil demand will be cut in half this year?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Is is awfully difficult to imagine.
1: Yep, indeed. Well, the U.S. has launched more strikes on Yemen's Houthis overnight, citing an imminent threat to merchant vessels and U.S. Navy ships in the Red Sea area. Egypt just hours later, Pakistan launched retaliatory missiles against the militants in Iran, and the latest incident to royal the wider region. The attacks have had consequences for the global economy, as they've effectively closed off. The Red Sea, and Chip, as an example, according to Bloomberg here, I've got a story about a livestock carrier that left Australia for the Middle East. It appears to have been diverted toward Africa. This is our first indication that ships loaded with animals could face longer journeys due to that escalating conflict in the Red Sea area.
0: Holy smokes, they got to get this figured out and get the Houthis under control there.
1: Yep, yep. Well, Ukraine's ambassador to Turkey said negotiations are underway regarding a U.N.-brokered Black Sea grain export initiative the last one ended last summer. And finally, Chip, China has approved additional varieties of genetically modified yep. soybeans and corn for import and production while expanding their planting areas nationwide. Uh, the planting zones for most of the varieties were expanded from ecologically suitable areas to the entire country, Chip.
0: Yeah, it's amazing what happens when you need the crop, isn't <laughs> it, Davis? All right, thanks, Davis. Let's bring in Greg Henderson, editorial director at Grover's. Greg, how you doing this morning?
3: Good morning, Chip. Very well. Thank you.
0: All right. Uh, we've got a Catalan feed report coming on Friday. What are you watching for?
3: Yes, we do. And it looks like, according to the analyst estimates, that the Catalan feed number will be up again you'll remember, Chip, that we had 12 million cattle on feed in that December yeah. report, and that, that that's a historically high number. Now, we all expect 2024 to be a good year for cattle markets, but Mother Nature is sure throwing a curveball and yeah. obstacles such as this snow and cold. And the impact on beef supplies has pushed that beef cutout higher the past two weeks, but that hasn't done much for the live price. Now, one thing to keep in mind about these cattle that are, that are you know, being i i don't want to say backed up but certainly they're going to have to feed them longer and and so forth but remember that those feeder cattle that were bought in september were bought at the highest price and those cattle are still on feed so now we're feeding those cattle longer extra feed trying to keep them get them to market uh we're looking at losses on those cattle that could be extreme uh, another factor chip that feed yards are looking at possibly a slower turnover rate and that's yep. evidenced in the in the uh, uh, marketings since last June which were down modestly a little bit but it, it looks like that we're feeding cattle to heavier weights uh 940 pounds was what it was uh, yep. for carcass weight last month and that was a record so we're looking at a good year but we've got to get through this uh first quarter yep. here uh and to get to warmer weather and better deep beef demand
0: yeah. Yep, no question about it. And right now, it it almost feels like a false signal with this, with, with the high number of cattle on feed. But uh, like you said, we just need to work through it. Good stuff, Greg. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. All right. Yeah, the cattle on feed report coming our way uh, very soon. Friday, Friday, and uh, tomorrow we need to get prepared for that. Okay, beef imports from Paraguay, beef imports in general. Is it a protectionist issue or is it an animal health issue? We're going to be talking with Representative Frank Lucas about just that issue next here on Agritalk. There I was, driving along, when I saw the corn laying down in the field, goosenecked
1: again. Even though I tried everything, new traits, existing soil insecticides, every corn grower knows the hassle of gooseneck corn but now there's Neurisma
0: Insecticide from BASF, a better, stronger, in insecticide that controls corn rootworm and below-ground pests. Stand up for your corn with Neurisma Insecticide. Ask your authorized BASF retailer about Neurisma, and always read and follow label directions.
3: Space, the final frontier, where we are limited only by our imagination. Join us in Houston for Commodity Classic, America's largest farmer-led, farmer-focused agricultural and educational event. New Frontiers in Agriculture. February 28th through March 2nd, 2024. Houston, we have no problem. Discover more at commodityclassic.com. Scammers often try to dupe veterans to steal the VA benefits they've earned. Scammers
1: may try to obtain sensitive information or collect payments over the phone. Offer to move assets in order to qualify for pension. Insist benefits may be sent directly to a friend or caregiver. Or promise to manage benefits or file a claim for you. VA will never charge you for processing a claim, and only VA can determine eligibility. To report suspicious activity, visit va.gov forward slash oig forward slash hotline. This is Andrew McCray, host of the American Countryside. I'm also a farmer and rancher from northwest Missouri, and I hope you'll join me each week for Farming the Countryside as we take a look at the top issues impacting agriculture as told by the people farming and working in our industry. We'll talk about markets and trade, share some of the latest tips and trends for grain and livestock producers, and take a look at trends impacting rural America. Join me for Farming the Countryside on many local radio stations or on your favorite podcast platform, or just go to farmingthecountryside.com.
2: Retirement can be scary, but only if you're not prepared. That's why AARP created ThisIsPretirement.org. Because unless you've already retired, you're in retirement and you still have time to plan. Learn about retirement savings options, potential tax breaks, and how you can build savings over time. Visit ThisIsPretirement.org for free resources to help you customize your action plan and feel the retirement fear disappear. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. I'm Tyne Morgan, host of U.S. Farm Report. Join me each weekend as we explore the news and issues that matter the most to agriculture. We know this past year has been challenging in many ways, but as agriculture continues to adapt, we are right there with you. From markets to weather, each weekend we take a deep dive into what matters most. Join me each weekend for U.S. Farm Report, timely, trusted tradition.
1: What kind of radio program do you usually have here?
2: Oh,
4: we got both kinds. Agra and talk.
0: Welcome back Run to Agra and Talk. In. I'm your host, Chip Flory. Glad oh. that you are with us for a special conversation with Representative Frank Lucas from the 3rd District of Oklahoma. Congressman, welcome to Agra Talk. How are you today?
4: I am uh, just fine and happy to be with you. Uh, D.C. is a crazy place, and there's lots of things yeah. going on and a tremendous amount of stuff that affects all
0: of us back home in the real world. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, congratulations on your selection for American Farm Bureau's 2024 Distinguished Service Award. That's well-deserved.
4: Oh, I very much appreciate my friends in the National Farm Bureau and my friends in the Oklahoma Farm Bureau for uh, nominating me for that. It's you know, when you work as long as I've worked on the Ag Committee, and I'm an Aggie by trade, Linda and I are yep. calf and Wheat People in Western Oklahoma, my university degrees in agricultural economics, something like this, where I've gone through the number of farm bills, both as chairman and subcommittee chairman and worked on all these issues, it's really nice when what you kind of consider to be extended family acknowledges that you've worked really hard on their behalf and I'm yeah. and just very appreciative because this is a world where you know for every compliment anymore it seems like you get 27 criticisms so I really <laughs> yes, do sir. appreciate the 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 comments and the award from yep. my good friends, my fellow farm bureau members.
0: yeah very cool very cool okay the beef industry has expressed a high level of concern about USDA's decision to allow the import of beef from Paraguay. Uh, It's obviously caught your attention. What is the status? Does USDA still plan to move forward with the imports of beef from Paraguay?
4: Yes. My understanding is that the rule last month that USDA sent into effect, which allows the importation of fresh Paraguayan beef, is in place. I and a number of my colleagues, past two dozen of us, have written the secretary several weeks ago saying, why are you doing this? You need to stop the process. You need mm-hmm. to explain to us what you went through to make this decision. There are some concerns from members of Congress, including myself, that maybe the information that USDA used to, to, to promulgate this rule might actually be a decade old. And right. we'd like to be assured that someone was on the ground in the country to determine uh, the real conditions. Now, yeah. I'm supportive of... Open trade, fair trade, yep. Yep. call it whatever you want to call it. I'm supportive of everyone around the world having access to high-quality animal protein. Mm-hmm. But in this case, you're talking about a country that has had issues with foot-and-mouth disease. Right. And in the United States, we have not had a case, thanks to the good work of State Departments of Agriculture and USDA, we've not had a case since 1929, almost right. a century ago. No one, uh, basically in the industry right now, has seen a case of it in the United States, but Mm -hmm. the reason we've avoided that is because how hard we worked. Now, some folks will say, is it really that bad? Foot and mouth, or as my grandfather's generation referred to it as hoof and mouth, because of the nature of the livestock it affected, can be transmitted, not just from animal to animal, but the virus can float through the air. It is super contagious, and I've participated in exercises, or we've talked about on the national level, if you had an outbreak, how would you stop the outbreak, especially in connection with political or military issues where it might be an intentional outbreak to try and cause chaos in the United States. And basically the procedure is, if there is ever another case of foot and mouth discovered in the United States, you start a vaccination regime at ground zero and you vaccinate out. But just as you vaccinate out, you put down the animals that are vaccinated or unvaccinated because you've got to kill the host that potentially right. will spread this, and it works out. And a big part of that, Chip, is these massive quarantine plans where you literally yep. would lock a state down at a time. Think about in the just-in-time, super-efficient food industry of the United States, especially in the oh. beef industry. <laughs> My wife sends that 5 600-pound calf off of the mama in the – we're spring cavers – in the fall to wheat pasture somewhere. Western Kansas, uh, central Oklahoma, you put another, you know, 300 pounds, whatever, on the calf, then he gets back on a truck and he goes to a feedlot somewhere in Oklahoma, Texas, or Kansas. Then after you put another 300-400 pounds on him, he winds up in a packing plant, which might be in Texas, it might be in Oklahoma, it might be in a variety of places. Right. Hmm. But the point is, you're moving live animals around several times, across state lines to achieve the efficiency we have now think about what it would take to lock down the state of oklahoma or the texas panhandle or western kansas or the 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 disruption that it
0: would cause
4: oh absolutely and as we learned in those exercises there are a lot of cattle producers like my wife and myself whose bloodlines go back a long ways on our farm the original herd is from 1929. Ironically, the same 1929 is yeah. the last case of uh, foot and mouth in the United States. Yeah. When you go in to start destroying the animals to prevent the spread of disease,
5: mm-hmm.
4: I'm not sure how a rancher is going to react when you're telling him that maybe a hundred or a hundred and fifty year line of cattle has to be it's destroyed be... immediately. Right. The psychological. Right. If you think people care about their dogs and cats, yeah. Think about the prize beef bulls and brood cows that have taken generations for genetic uh, perfection to be achieved. So So the point is, this would totally disrupt the economy in the United States because when you're quarantining every beef animal in, let's say, the state of Oklahoma, you're also quarantining everybody going down I-40 or (laughs) I-35. You're quarantining every oil and gas truck servicing whales. You're quarantining every business. The magnitude of that's incredible. So I only repeat this to say that having gone through these models where you talk about how to fight the problem, yep. you've got to keep it out of the country. You can't right. let it get here and start with.
0: So it's a complicated issue. There's no question about that because trade issues are always a complicated issue. How is this going to wrap up? What's going to be the end result? Is there going to be beef imports from Paraguay?
4: If the department doesn't withdraw the rule... Expect a bipartisan, bicameral—that means Republican, Democrat, House, and Senate effort—to overturn the rule. Now we're okay. not quite to that point. I prefer to give the secretary and the department heads and USDA in general a chance to respond. Yeah. But this is too serious. Just to say you shouldn't do it and look the other way. Right. Uh, the integrity of the of the cattle, uh, basically the the animal protein chain, is at stake here. Uh, We'll do what we have to do. Like the 24-plus members in the House who signed the initial letter, which I was a part of to get the Secretary's attention, we mean business. And it's not just R&D. It's not just Oklahoma or Texas or Kansas or Colorado or Nebraska. We all understand how critical this issue is. And if you apply sound science... If you determine there are no problems, if you determine the inspection process down, process down there is sufficient, well, then we'll reassess the situation. But you've got to prove to us they're clean before you start really bringing live product. And we've imported beef from South America for decades and decades, right. but it's been cooked and canned. Think about corn, corn beef. Right. Cooked and canned. There's no way a virus can survive that process. But this right. is different. Live
0: product. Exactly, exactly. Only got a couple of minutes left here, Congressman. I feel like we need to go on to the Farm Bill. You've been a member of the Ag Committee since 1994. Uh, Your name was on the 2014 Farm Bill. What's the status of the current bill? What, What do you think the timeline looks like?
4: We need to get the appropriations process, the government funding, sorted out. And that's an issue that's yeah. that's at a full boil this week. Because if we don't fund the federal government through the end of September, there's not enough political oxygen here to do a variety of other things, including the farm bill. So we fund the government. That then tells us how much money we have to spend on the farm bill. Mm-hmm. Chairman Thompson's ready to go with a markup. But we probably, by my estimate, we might need between 70 and 100 billion new dollars in order to strengthen the safety net. Think about how much costs have gone up for producers. Think about inflation's reduction of buying power on the money that we get when we sell our livestock. We need to know how much money we've got and then we can write a farm bill. Chairman Thompson's ready to go, but we need the overall federal funding taken care of and we need to know what's available to us to write a new farm bill.
0: So is it Title I that is where the greatest focus is on the funding needs? Absolutely, I mean, let's be honest the key elements to
4: conservation, research, uh, farm credit, rural development are critically important. The real core of the Farm Bill is raising, producing food and fiber, and -hmm. that's crop insurance, and that's the price protection insurance products. Those are things that, uh, while we pay a premium for the product, the federal government helps subsidize it, so we'll buy it, so it enables us to stay in business, so we'll have a steady supply. Uh, and the cost of everything has gone up, and the real buying power has gone down, you got to put some extra money in there. you got to make some tweaks if you're going to have a safety net that works. And if you don't have a safety net that works, your banker, your landlord, and your spouse are going to lay it on you pretty heavy.
0: Yes, yes. Representative Lucas, this was a great conversation. Thank you so much for making time for us.
4: And I suspect we'll visit again several times before we finish up the farm bill process.
0: I hope we will. I hope we will. Thank you so much. That is Representative Frank Lucas, 3rd District of Oklahoma. We're talking Prop 12 next here on Agritalk.
1: Get a strong start to your sorghum season with Double Team Sorghum. The Double Team Sorghum cropping solution provides superior post-emergent grass control, giving you clean sorghum fields, reliable yields, and improved profitability. Double Team is powered by the proprietary DT traits and uniquely formulated first-act herbicide for a completely integrated and flexible solution for grass control in sorghum. Visit DoubleTeamSorghum.com to learn how to get cleaner fields and bigger yields.
4: When you're planting, having the right scale system on your bulk fill planner or drill pays for itself. Use Point from ScaleTech to verify proper seeding rates and make money-saving adjustments on the fly. Not to mention, monitor your seed supply with pinpoint accuracy. You could guess, but why? Instead of checking your hoppers manually, keep your tractor moving and let Point do the work. Save time and
1: money with Point. Visit scaletech.com to learn more.
6: Time for Markets Now with the experts from Pro Farmer.
0: Joining us now is Pro Farmer editor Brian Grady. And, Beej, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to switch things up on you just a little bit because I look at what's happening in the cattle complex, and I can't not start there.
5: Yeah, uh, strong gains, both uh, live cattle and feeders here at uh, Midmorning. And... Uh, you know, while it's strong today, uh, these price recoveries off the uh, the lows that we saw in December have been relatively uh, modest and, and yeah. just kind of gauged and and uh, so they're sustainable at that level. We haven't seen big blowoffs and and those types of things. So, uh, like I said, strong gains today, but uh, overall just manageable. And and you know, the supply is tight. Um, we've had weather delays and all kinds of things like that. I, I think Packers are are thought to be short-bought at this point in time on near-term needs as they get back to more regular slaughter schedules, and that's all feeding into today's price strength.
0: Gotcha. Mixed trade in lean hogs.
5: Yeah, not a lot going on there, to be honest with you. The futures are just letting the cash index catch up, and the cash index is rising. Uh, it can, it's up again today, and and uh, just continues its uh, rebound from what looks like a seasonal low posted uh, at the beginning of this year. And and so, um, but the the futures are out in front, and they don't want to get too ar- too far out in front, which is why we're seeing a little bit of price pressure in most of those contracts.
0: All right, narrowly mixed trade in the grains.
5: Yeah, not a lot going on, uh, to be honest with you. We saw corn post a new contract low this morning. So, uh, you know, just rinse and repeat, I guess. But uh, we have worked off of those levels and now trading just a little bit to the upside here at mid-morning. Soybeans are trading mostly to the downside, along with uh, weakness in meal and soy oil. And then uh, kind of a mixed tone across the wheat markets with SRW weaker and the other two markets trading to the upside.
0: Good stuff, Brian. Thanks. That's Pro Farmer editor Brian Grady on Markets Now.
7: What is dedication? My biggest fear in the middle of my addiction was
1: that my kids wouldn't have a father. And I started thinking, you know what? This isn't my story. I definitely had to become a better man to be a better father. It's important to me that my kids are empowered and truly believe that if if
7: they can think it, they can do it.
5: That's dedication. Visit fatherhood.gov
7: to hear more. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council.
2: I'm Tyne Morgan, host of U.S. Farm Report, the only weekend television show that features some of agriculture's biggest names. From custom commentary from John Phipps to the stories of antique iron with machinery Pete to a list of more than 30 marketing analysts, Our weekly program focuses on the topics that matter most to you. We invite you to join us each weekend for U.S. Farm Report, timely, trusted tradition.
1: Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. I don't know what you're thinking! So call us at eight five five four 4 talk ag and tell us what's on your mind. Hey, Chip. Hey, Davis. Do you think it's possible Liv Tyler is listening today?
0: It could be. I mean, it's I was entirely just, possible.
1: I was onetering during that just then.
0: <laughs> I, there's there's a lot of things that we oneter here on Talk, on isn't there?
1: That's what we do. That's what we do. Yes. We oneter so other people don't have to.
0: Don't have to. We get, we answer those oneterings.
1: Mm-hmm. We do. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Thank you, David. <laughs> Let's get to this conversation with Phil Borjic. He is a hog producer from Raymond, Illinois. Phil, uh, it's been too long since we've had the conversation, but it's sure good to talk with you again.
6: How are you? I'm doing great. We um, uh, survived the cold weather and yeah. with uh, just a few minor difficulties. Yeah. Good.
0: Good. Yeah. 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 It got plenty cold for you over there in, in central Illinois, didn't it?
6: Well, I told uh, the young people around me, I said, uh, uh, no matter what Grandpa tells you, it doesn't get any colder than that.
0: <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, Phil, I appreciate the the work that you and uh, Daryl Stitzel from Shannon, Jeff Bollamy from Carlinville. Uh, the work that you guys did in sounding off on Prop 12, you've been vocal about the potential consequences of Prop 12 for quite some time. But why now? What triggered this op-ed in the Panagraph uh, newspaper there in Bloomington?
6: Well, we're hoping to get some uh, uh, resolution and some, uh, some maybe some uh, laws are coming through Congress to uh, help the situation uh, for pork producers today with Prop 12 but really to set the groundwork for the future that we don't uh, continue to have these obstacles coming uh, towards our industry for with uh, for good production uh, from another state or, or California changing something uh, tomorrow. As so we just need to build uh, a long-term program on what is makes sense for agriculture and what makes sense for our animals.
0: Yeah, you know, and, and Prop 12 is the most, visual we we see it we talk about it it's in effect it's having an effect on on markets uh, across the country right now so we tend to focus on that but we've got uh, question 3 out of Massachusetts and the, the the last i saw phil there it's double digit the number of states that are considering similar rules regs propositions and if we've got a all of a sudden, feed into eight, nine, ten, very specific uh, market demands. It becomes impossible to fill
6: that demand, doesn't it? Impossible to fill the demand, but uh, really, it becomes impossible to plan ahead. Uh, yeah. All these uh, all these changes takes time, takes capital, takes research. Uh, and and um, and if they continue to move the post, how can any industry uh, move quick enough to to satisfy those you know the new laws that, that you know coming before us?
0: Right. So the bottom line here, Phil, is if California wants an adequate supply of pork, the incentives need to come in the form of higher prices for those hogs that are farrowed in compliant barns. Are you seeing that is is California providing the incentive? To, I shouldn't say it that way. Is is the cash market providing the incentive to start producing compliant hogs that are compliant for the California market?
6: So uh, the answer to the question is some. Uh, okay. So this has only been in full effect since January one. Uh, the my understanding is that the data being collected is the price of pork in California is higher than elsewhere. Well, there's a lot of things that drives that price of that pork. Uh, so, how much of that is actually getting back to the farmer level? Uh, we do have a segment of our uh, of our industry that has uh, built buildings, uh, modified yep. buildings that would meet those qualifications, and uh, the the ones I'm familiar with we're we're able to get some compensation to do that uh, but as all the, if we continue to make changes then making programs that the our industry can adapt for um is, is not going to be economically viable right the um um the because it's not black and white nothing's black and white with this and And then the uh, having the research or having the the, uh, audit uh, capabilities Mm -hmm. of of making sure the right product is getting to California is is not in place today.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I keep thinking about how complicated and complex this might eventually become, Phil. And I'm not saying that it can't be done, but to have a split cash market, a compliant versus a non-compliant cash market. That, that just doesn't seem workable to me. What about you?
6: Well, the basis of, of, of what we're being asked to do is, is the real concern. Uh, you know, my, my dad uh, okay. was part of the generation that took us from outside uh, non-environmentally controlled facilities into what we have today. That keeps them warm in the winter and cooler in the summer. Yeah. And and so um, educating the, the non-producer on, on the things that we do every day and what's good for the animal versus, you know, the Prop 12s, the question threes that come along that, that don't even look at what the animal needs. And as producers, I mean, that's the one thing that drives us every day um, is doing be- what's best for the animal. So the marketing side is just the end result of, of that care. And that really, you know, needs to be the focus is, is what's good for the pig and, and uh, those producers that are raising it. Yeah. Today, if this was the only thing that we segregated for, would be one thing. But these, we're asking our packers today uh, to segregate for all kinds of different specifications. And then if we start adding multiple state uh, requirements on top of that, then that uh, dramatically increases the cost at the packer level, besides the farm gate level.
0: Yep. Yep. Have you made any uh, adjustments to, to Feral, some California compliant
6: pigs? Uh, we have not. Uh, we okay. are researching it. We're gathering information. We've, we're looking at cost. Um, at this point in time, uh, the, the two packers that I sell to don't have um, the demand that they say, okay, Phil, you need to go do this uh i am looking for direction from them to uh, give me guidelines of where i need to go i mean they're not going to tell me exactly what i need to do right but is there a market they at this point in time you know they say there's not a market for that and we can't uh we can't even give you guidelines what we want to see you do long term
0: right okay what do you want to see happen here phil
6: I I remember my civics class many many years ago, um, and and uh, in that class I, I really thought it was uh, pretty cut and dry that one state can't tell another state how to run their business, and um, and so that was the, you know the basic argument that we tried to make to the Supreme Court uh, and and failed, and so what what I want to see is is um, uh, stability and and some certainty we have so much uncertainty of our industry uh and and then having this additional uncertainty out there and so that that um if we're going to have a program it needs to be across multiple states and and maybe across the nation so that all pork producers know what you know the direction we need to go and where the investment needs to be made
0: yeah yep that's right that's right how much of a risk or a threat is Prop 12 and other uh, initiatives like Prop 12 to hog hog production in the middle of the country?
6: So uh, my understanding is California represents between uh, 15 and 18% of the fresh pork market, uh, domestic pork market for the United States. So it's a major market. uh, And so we don't want to lose that. You know, the industry has been going you know, through a, a 18 months process here as what looks like it's going to be total of losing approximately $30 a head. And so we need every market we, we can uh, get, you know, for our part, pork, uh, moving into the future. So it's a major threat um, logistically and, and, and uh, product demand side. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Phil, you know how I am. I'm wired to, to the markets and, and the, ultimate impact that it's that this might have on the markets and we've seen this before it, if it does start out as a premium product and there's a premium price attached to the compliant pork it then becomes the expected product and instead of having a market with a premium structure it turns into a market with a discount structure and and i don't think any of us want to see that develop with especially the way that this industry is is uh, generating revenue right now
6: yeah, it, um, and, and that's a really good point, because if we get a, uh, if I could go tomorrow and and get a contract with a, a packer for XYZ that, that makes it feasible to start uh, adapting over to Prop 12, those contracts uh, have got, you know, a, a length of time that if there's a premium today, there won't be, you know, there'd be commodity tomorrow. and and so we have to look at that when we make those decisions to adapt our buildings for the most part to go from present uh, even open pin gestation to prop 12 you're going to lose about 20 percent of either your sow herd or need to build 20 percent additional buildings yeah and so that is a you know 20 year. it's a
0: major ask major ask ask. yep no doubt about it phil Thank you for sharing your perspective on this, man. We really appreciate you. All
2: right, everybody have a great day.
0: You bet. Phil Borja, Cog Producer over in Raymond, Illinois. Davis and I will be right back to wrap up this morning's Agri Talk.
2: There's danger out there, it lurks on highways and quiet neighborhood streets. It's more likely to kill you than a shark and more terrifying than the biggest snake. Distracted driving claims lives every day. Every notification, swipe, social post, video, or selfie while driving risks your life. So while you might think public speaking or the zombie apocalypse is scary, what's really terrifying, and even deadly, is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. If you served, we want you to get the health care and benefits you earned. We want you to come to VA. There's never been a better time to apply. Under a new law called the PACT Act, We've expanded VA care and benefits to millions of people who served and their survivors.
6: No matter where you served or how long you served, check out va.gov slash PACT to learn more about what VA can do for you and your family.
2: Come to VA. Mom's early Alzheimer's diagnosis was hard to take. And when I left the oven on, we decided together that it was time to see a doctor and make a plan. Early detection gave us more time to seek out information and support as a family. If you or your family are noticing changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about seeing a doctor together. For more information, visit alz.org slash time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council.
0: Matt Clark is the Digital Technology Manager for Series Solutions. That's where he uses the services of Taranis. Matt, tell us about some of the challenges your team and customers face year after year and how Taranis positions your team to meet those challenges to better serve your customers.
7: Yeah, thanks, Chip. The biggest thing we see today is just it's a year-round sales process anymore. You know, what we're seeing is they're having trouble just staying on top of, of everything going on. So what Tyrannus allows us to do is do a better job prioritizing that scouting in season and kind of brings to our attention issues that we're seeing in the field. And then it's also kind of that good report card there in the year to actually remember what we did that last growing season and things we saw to, to build a better plan for the next growing season.
0: Okay. so your involvement with Tyrannus, how does it change the way that you position your team to serve customers
7: yeah i think it gives us time that they can actually spend with that customer where in the past they may spend a lot of time by themselves scouting the customer's field and then giving that report back this allows them to prioritize that time that's so precious to them and make sure that they're hitting the problem spots in those fields that they need to and, and bringing that to their attention so that then they can have more time to have that conversation with the grower and, and make you know more valuable recommendations to that grower at the end of the day.
0: Gotcha. So how does Terranis differentiate Ceres as a co-op within your territory? I mean, are you providing what others can't?
7: Yeah, right now, we think we're kind of on the leading edge of that. You know, we're able to see back into the back corner of the field that, you know, we probably never scouted before, to be honest. So it just gives us a full picture of that field. And, you know, we're able to make recommendations with more confidence to our customers.
0: Outstanding, Matt. Thank you so much. That is Matt Clark, Digital Technology Manager at Ceres Solutions. To learn more about Taranis and to see how Acre Forward Intelligence can help you build a winning playbook for the 2024 season, visit getyour.com. GameTape.com Hi, I'm Ag Day host Clinton Griffiths and I invite you to join me each morning as we cover the nation's food system from fields of green to orchards of orange and livestock everywhere in between America runs on agriculture and here at Ag Day, agriculture is what we do best Listen as our analysts track the markets, learn about innovations in technology and sustainability, and live the country lifestyle through the eyes of rural America. Join me, Clinton Griffiths, for Ag Day, the country experience. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not cherish the good
5: but always be prepared for life's challenges if your employer doesn't supply health care coverage and you don't qualify for medicare or medicaid you need to give us a call right now private health care is private health insurance for ages
0: 65 and under with medical dental vision and even prescription coverage
2: give us a call at 800-801-2730
1: oh our name says it all agritalk what more do you need to know welcome back to agritalk everyone (laughs) your pal davis michelson here chip flory yep uh let's let's start with uh representative frank lucas welcome back to agritalk everybody glad you're listening uh big show today chip yeah lots of important things discussed there um you and i you know what no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna roll you into this i will say for myself Okay. dang it's been frustrating watching this appropriations bill the continuing resolution the government mm-hmm. is, uh, there's no funding for the government what are we gonna do it's irritating it's annoying it's frustrating nothing seems to be happening trouble is we need something to happen really bad buddy Yeah. Representative Lucas was talking about we need these appropriations first so we can figure out what we have to spend, what we have to allocate, allocate in this in this farm bill here, dude. Right. um, So we do have to stay on top of it. And this is why.
0: Yeah. I I mean, there's there's no question about. The the fact that um, something needs to be accomplished, and it needs to be done sooner rather than later. And I'm not ju- I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say, just pass these appropriation bills and let's move forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, it needs to be done. It, it needs to be done with full consideration of some of the spending cuts that that uh, uh, some in the GOP are looking for and if you're going to if you're going to consider those spending cuts you've also got to look at some of the requests uh for increased spending uh it, that that are coming from maybe the 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 moderates in the GOP and the democrats or the left in in on the democrat side you got to look at it all you got to find mm-hmm. a middle ground and you got to find a way to move forward um and I I didn't hear a whole lot of uh, optimism from Representative Lucas that that that's going to happen, Davis. So the alternative is you shut down. So for how long and what services? Mm -hmm. And we've gone through shutdowns before. We know that we can survive it. We also know that the... That, that the um, uh, resulting benefits are often very disappointing to those that were <laughs> most for shutting yep. the government down.
1: Yep, yep, that's right.
0: Um, so with that in mind, let's negotiate. Let's let's find some middle ground and move forward. Yeah. It, I, it, Davis, this thing just, the whole thing makes me feel like we're going to end up with Speaker Johnson right in the same place that Speaker McCarthy was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes me feel like there's going to be a vacate, a motion to vacate the the speakership. And uh, I don't know if it's going to pass. The indications are that it would be much more difficult to push through than it was with Speaker McCarthy because what the heck? You know, when you're making history, let's go ahead and make history. Mm-hmm. Let's vacate it. But to do it again yeah. uh, would would seem to be piling on. So, so I, I don't even know if there's going to be a, a, the motion to vacate.
1: Well, Dude, that's how we got here is <laughs> dinking around with yeah. first choosing a speaker and then ousting a speaker and then choosing a new speaker. Now we're going to part around with, with getting rid of another one and then finding a different one and then, oh, well, then everything will be okay. We won't have any more disagreements. Life will be perfect, and we can appropriate appropriately. Is this what yeah. we're to believe?
0: See, when you've
1: got, when you've got uh, segments
0: or mm-hmm. groups within a party that use the word "never," ah, uh, yeah, that's yeah. when it becomes an issue. Right. I will never support that guy for the speaker. I will never support. An appropriations bill that does not include X percent of spending cuts. I will never. I will never. When you start hearing those, I will never people. Mm-hmm. The, you 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 might as well just go on to somebody else that is serious about negotiating and mm-hmm. and finding that middle ground. Yeah. And the thing is, the thing is, I am not. I, please don't think I'm diminishing. What they what what those that are looking for. The spending cuts are 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 hoping for for the results that they are hoping for i hope we can figure out a way to cut spending mm-hmm. i hope we can figure out a way to balance this budget i hope we can figure out a way to eventually somehow some way someday take a bite out of the debt but it it seems like a a really tough path to find right now davis
1: yeah well it kind of reminds me of what phil borchick was talking about uh hog farmer from illinois moving the goalposts man just moving the goalposts and it makes it so difficult to get anything done whether it's progress on appropriations bills or if it's a hog farmer trying to figure out "Ah, what do i even need to do to comply you know what i mean
0: and and the 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 area that we did not get to with phil that uh yeah i was kind of hesitant to to go there i guess but Mm mm-hmm We cannot forget that the whole Prop 12 issue was started by the anti-animal agriculture activists.
4: Mm -hmm.
0: It's all about ending hog production. It's not about making that sow comfortable with 24 square foot. That's not what they want. They would much rather see that hog dead and out of production Mm -hmm. because they just want to end animal agriculture. And uh, uh, so yeah. taking taking the approach that there's interstate comm- commerce issues that need to be considered here, I think uh-huh. is very prudent, but we're not dealing with prudent people.
1: Took us all the way back to his uh, high school civics class. Yeah. You know, if, if only the world were like the world expressed in our high school civics classes, wouldn't it be great?
0: Yes. It would be simpler, that is for sure. Mm -hmm. There would be a whole lot fewer shades of gray. There you go. Wouldn't there?
1: Yep,
0: yep. Holy smokes. Good stuff, Davis. Thanks for listening today, everybody. Come back this afternoon. We're going to have a conversation with Craig Van Dyke from from Co-Alliance Cooperative. And tomorrow morning it's Friday already, buddy. Whee! We got the free-for-all coming your way right here on Agri-Talk.
7: When we told growers that bear premium trifold herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um We'll see how it works. So, we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with TriVolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and TriVolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. TriVolt is a restricted use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions.
2: Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless.